Yes, this is the kind of Monday you like to come in for. Monday's difficult, but not this Monday. The Sooners' uh, great performance against West Virginia over the weekend had it going on both sides of the football. They win the game easily 59-20. to This was a West Virginia team that was coming in red hot with a lot of confidence. There were a lot of people. Lee Sterling on the Plank Show picked West Virginia to win the game straight up. Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, picked West Virginia to win it is super underdog. You had a lot of people thinking that West Virginia was going to come into Norman to give the Sooners a, a, a tight fit, so to speak. But the Sooners take care of business, played possibly their best game of the year. And when you think about individual heroes, you think about Dylan Gabriel, eight for eight, five through the air, three on the ground. How about Dylan Gabriel in the run game again? Where was that in Stillwater? Nowhere to be found. But it was awesome. And uh, Drake Stoops was fantastic. Defensive goal line stand. Parker Thune, there was a lot to celebrate for Sooner fans Saturday night. Looked like the team we saw for the first six games this season, Absolutely, yes. Yeah. It just it makes the last three games all the more baffling because it's like, okay, yep, I, I recognize that team. That team we saw on Saturday, that looked like the team that was running roughshod over everybody, went to the Cotton Bowl and beat Texas and – rolled into the bye week at 6-0. and Whatever team came out of the bye week, that was not the same Sooner football team. But that was a get-right game for them on Saturday. No and doubt they got about right it. in a big way. Having Danny Stutzman back on defense, that's kind of a big deal, right? And I love the duo now of Danny Stutzman and Kip Lewis out there. That's a pair of linebackers right there. Kip Lewis continues to play great football. Danny Stutzman, uh, I thought played tremendous. Anytime you have your defensive leader out there, that makes a huge difference. And again, goal line stand number two was spectacular. And if you think about this, West Virginia came out, opening drive, 75 yards, touchdown. We've talked about the fact that uh, West Virginia's offensive line is one of the best offensive lines that Oklahoma's seen all year. After that, next five Next five possessions for West Virginia, nothing, nada, zilch, zero. Sooner defense took control, and then DG and company got going. Gavin Sawchuk was a big part of it. He clearly is RB1 right now. Austin Stogner looked like the old Austin Stogner. And uh, Dylan Gabriel was fantastic. And, you know, I, I don't know if there are enough superlatives out there now for Drake Stoops. Has Drake Stoops been their best football player this year? I mean, you can make a case for Dylan, Danny Stutzman, but Drake Stoops might be that guy. He's been phenomenal and was again Saturday. Drake Stoops leads the Big 12 in receptions right now, Steely. He leads Oklahoma in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns, which is wild because Nick Anderson was on a touchdown bonanza there for a while. But right now, you have a sixth-year senior and former walk-on who leads Oklahoma in every major receiving category, and that's not an indictment on Oklahoma's receiver room in any capacity whatsoever. They have playmakers. They have a lot of playmakers. It is a major credit to Drake Stoops, the work that he has put in for six years now to become the football player that he is, and the devotion that he shows day in and day out to improving his craft and lifting this program. And I think it's phenomenal, Steely, that he dropped the soundbite of the year on Monday. Yeah, he did. And then went out on Saturday night and backed up everything he said. He's been unbelievable, man. He's tough as nails. And guess what? He's also really, really talented and a heck of a wide receiver. I was going to run a Brent clip here first, Parker, but let's, let's change it up to Neil Brown 
is a fan of Drake. If you didn't hear what Neil Brown had to say, uh, I think he was pretty impressed with Drake Stoops and what he did Saturday night because Drake Stoops was, again, tremendous. Here's the West Virginia head coach, Neil Brown. Drake Stoops is a hell of a football player. Now, you know, this may be his biggest night receiving, but he he really is a hell of a football player. Um, you know, he's one of those kids that you don't appreciate him when you're going against him, but then you, when you watch the tape, you're like, man, that kid's maximizing his talent, and he's a good player. He'll go play in the NFL, which is good for him. There you go. And, uh, again, he takes that shot in the end zone, which led to the skirmish, which eventually led to uh, Trey Mattire uh, getting kicked out of the game. Which McCade Mattire. What did I say? Trey. Oh, yeah, Trey. Oh, jeez. McCade Mattire. Big difference. Uh, and then that led to the fist bump from uh, Joe Harris as well. So there you go. I'm proud of McCain Mattalier, man. You could tell, man, those guys were taken up for their teammate. DG got in there like immediately too and did a little James Harden flop, I think, Uh, you know, but, or Chris Paul back in his day, but they were, man, they were, they were taken up for their teammate. You like to see that. And again, just a really good performance. Best overall performance of the year, you think for OU? I mean, the biggest win clearly is Texas. But in terms of playing well on both sides of the football, they had the muff punt, of course, the only turnover. But it was pretty darn good because West Virginia, again, think about what Garrett Green did last year to Oklahoma, taking off and running. He had over 100 yards. That's where he hurt him. Uh, what was it, like 10 carries for 24 yards? The defense, again, had that guy in check all night long. So, overall, just a really good win for Oklahoma. Now you go to BYU. I did not anticipate that we would have a Provo Rooster, but we do. The Provo Rooster sounds like a serial killer. The Provo Rooster does a little bit, or a dish somewhere. Maybe a really good dish at a diner or something. But the Provo Rooster was not anticipated. I was thinking that was going to be a night game, but here we go again. The Big 12 sticking to Oklahoma one more time, 10 a.m. out in Provo. Can they hand out the uh, the ice cream and brownies at 10 a.m.? I guess they will. Maybe maybe it'll be, you know, isn't it like the second quarter or something like that? that maybe uh, it'll be pastries instead. Maybe. Maybe. A nice Bavarian cream. That sounds good. That sounds really good. All right. Uh, so we got a lot of things to talk about. 405. 405- 651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. The uh, Neil Brown sound, our Ortho Central clip of the day. Ortho Central, great reputation. Their full-service clinics are the best. They treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. Shout out to our friends at Ortho Central. Um, Jimbo finally got the axe, $75 million buyout. After a win, too. I know. After a 40-point win. They they. First time they hang a half a hundred on Mississippi State, not only does Jimbo get fired, but uh, Zach Arnett gets fired as well in Starkville. So, anyway, now the question becomes, who is the next A&M head coach and what's going to happen to DJ Hicks? What's going to happen to Dominic McKinley? What's going to happen to Gabriel Brownlow-Dendy? What could happen with Terry Bussey? The Sooners are getting all of these guys, right, Parker? Isn't that what you're reporting? Is anyone not reporting that? I thought it was pretty unanimous. That it's a done yes. deal. Actually, Texas A&M is going to experience a vast wave of portal entrance over the next three weeks. And most, if not all of them, will end up at the University of Oklahoma. You better get serious here. I am dead serious. Hicks, McKinley, Bussy, Dindy. What are we thinking for Evan OU? Evan Stewart. Evan Stewart to OU. 
Ruben Owens to OU. Gosh, that's a blast from the past. No, in, in all seriousness, the ones I would watch, obviously you have Terry Bussey, you have Dominic McKinley. They're not back on the open market as of right now, but they very well could be. Oklahoma is going to keep the lines of communication open with those two dudes. The name I would watch, the name I would watch if he hits the transfer portal is DJ Hicks. Because if DJ Hicks hits the transfer portal, I can almost promise you where he's going. Or rather, where he's coming. Hmm. Very interesting. And who's going to be the next guy at AM? Will it be Lane Kiffin? Will it be Dan Lanning? Will it be Mike Elko from Duke? Will it be Urban Meyer? Could it be somebody like Lance Leipold? Who knows? Could it be Muleshoe? But Muleshoe's star, there's a lot of luster off of Muleshoe right now. He's lost four of five, Steely. Keep what in mind, th- that man that man had lever- never lost more than two games in a season when he took the USC job. He went 11-3, and three, respectable, in year one. Right now, USC is 7-4, and four, and the Alamo Bowl looks like the moon. It does. It does. And how about the DB getting turned around by the Oregon receiver? You tweeted that out. We were, that laughing. Was we were laughing at that hilarious. as well. It's like, what's he doing? Oh, my gosh. Uh, anyway, so, by the way, the opening at Mississippi State. How about Jeff Lebby and Mississippi State? Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because he's got a background in the state of Mississippi, was the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. And when you look at who Mississippi State's athletic director is, that's somebody that knows Jeff Lebby firsthand as well. Zach Selman, yes. Zach Selman. I talked to Zach's father-in-law at Balfour. By the way, the Balfour turnout was unbelievable. You wouldn't believe I actually missed a question from Tyler McComas because I couldn't stop talking to fans of the ref, which was great, but all of a sudden I hear the silence like, I'm sorry. Steely. Steely. Tyler, I'm sorry. I was talking to fans. I'm trying to tell them I'm on the air and trying not to be rude at the same time. But I talked to Zach's father-in-law and he said, you know, love the show, all that stuff, but you're wrong on one thing about Starkville. Great facilities, really a great place. I was talking not necessarily about the facilities, just the kind of the, at least what they used to have, the big-time hillbilly attitudes out there. But he said, yeah, Zach loves it. They love Zach. And uh, once again, you never know, but Jeff Levy, Jeff Levy called a great game Saturday. He did call a great game, man, and he hmm. – it's never been about the creativity or whether the guy knows football. No, it's, it's all just, about it's sticking to what works, and he's some of the he stuck to what works. Some of the crazy calls here and there. How about this? How about this? This stands out to me after the rewatch. Zero passes behind the line of scrimmage. I love that. I Zero love it. passes behind the line of scrimmage. It's like he listens to us, Steely. Let your playmakers make plays. You think Jeff is in his office right now with this show on his radio dial? I hope so. Probably, definitely not, but we would hope. Jeff, don't listen to the buffoons. Just stick to what works, and you will always be revered at the University of Oklahoma. There you go. Because if you're playing offense every single week like the Sooners were on Saturday, Mm -hmm. you're never going to be able to slander the offensive coordinator. Think about what they did defensively, too. You didn't have Gentry Williams, and you didn't have Desan McCullough either, but they still played a really solid defensive game as well. All right, break time right here, Sooner fans. It's a happy Monday. We haven't had one of those in a while. Let us know what you're thinking about the Sooners. And can Iowa State get it done Saturday night? Texas, without Jonathan Brooks the rest of the year, they're still talented, but 
Ames on Saturday night. That won't be easy for the Horns. Let's talk about that. Your thoughts on the Sooners, 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer, Chevrolet, uh, text line. We'll be right back here on The Ref. Uh, the song is great, and the Sooners' performance was really, really good Saturday nights, and uh, just fantastic. Sooner Nation is happy again. Want to hear from you. Your thoughts, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Also want to shout out our friends at Lasher Home Comfort Systems, sponsoring hour number one here on Steel Man and Thune. 16 years in the metro area now, great reputation Heating and air needs, you need them taken care of. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. Parker Thune, are you ready to get to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line? Nice uh, nice mix down there. Very nice. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Uh, let's start with a text from consensus number one overall texter, Cherokee Sooner. There's five bad hombres in college football, and four of them called Dylan Gabriel, sir. <laughs> You know, Dylan Dylan. Gabriel, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. A, Dylan Gabriel was a bad dude on Saturday. He was, man, and he runs fearlessly. I know he slides every now and then, but he'll take on some guys too, right? (laughs) You would think, after getting speared in the side of the head last year, he'd be a little bit more tentative taking on players that are close to twice his size. No such thing. Every time Gabriel tucks the ball and runs, man, there are times it's like he's looking for contact. It's like he doesn't even need to initiate contact. He's not even going to, like, there are times in which it feels like he goes out of his way to try and hit somebody. He's trucked a couple guys this year near the goal line, no doubt. How much do you love to see that from your 5'11 quarterback, man? DG had a great night, and here's the deal. DG missed a couple guys early in the game. Stogner once, Drake, you know, he missed a couple guys, but then he came right back. He ran in for a TD, and the rest of the night I thought he was really good. And that's what I was going to add, Steely, is that the thing about it was as impressive as Gabriel was on Saturday, he very obviously did not play his best football game. Even so, 473 yards, eight touchdowns, and he still could have played a heck of a lot better than he did. Yeah. When you consider Baker and Kyler had seven touchdowns each, and for Dylan Gabriel to go out and do that is uh, is very impressive. So Drake Stoops was tremendous. And, again, there are so many things that you like to see out there offensively. And, again, they didn't have Tyler Guyton for the game. And guess what? The O-line did a very good job, excellent job. Those young guys, man, they played well. And uh, Stogner got involved. Gavin Sawchuk clearly is on a roll right now. Isn't it amazing how the running game can look when you have a guy who can break a few tackles? Now, Tawi Walker's done that some. Sure. But I'm talking about a guy who can elude defenders and turn a six or seven yard gain into a 20 yard gain or a 30 yard gain. It felt. And that's what Sawchuk did uh, Saturday night. The running game felt vintage it on did. Saturday night. It was like, and watching that offense, too. That was as seamless of an offensive performance as I have seen from Oklahoma since probably the TCU game in 2021. But beyond that, it it felt like I was watching the 2019 Sooners, as effortless and as dominant as they were on the ground and through the air. Yeah. Now, it again, Sawchuck, he was stellar, 22 carries for 135 yards. And I'm a huge Tawi Walker fan. Anybody who listens to this show knows that. But 
the extra dimension that a guy like Sawchuck in the backfield adds because you always have to account for that speed. And you have to keep in mind he's a home run threat every time he touches the ball. When you have to account for a guy like that that has that kind of breakaway speed, man, how much does it open things up for your passing attack? And especially how much does it open things up in the middle of the field for a guy like Austin Stogner? And we saw that 100%, on 100%. No doubt about it. And, uh, you know, they got Nick Anderson nearly had a long touchdown. They got him involved. Jaden Gibson had a touchdown. Drake Stoops was phenomenal. Stogner was good. Gavin Sawchuck ran and made people miss. The O-line did a nice job. Uh, Dylan uh, wasn't perfect, but he was really, 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 really good. His leadership and his toughness were on display as well. Taking up for his teammates, there was so much to like about Saturday night. Now, when you go to BYU, you go to Provo this weekend, you're a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. Unleash the playbook again. Don't play conservatively. Don't play I don't know if scared's the right word. I think the conditions had something to do with that, certainly in um, in Lawrence and in Stillwater. And miscues, their own miscues had a ton to do with that. But let your playmakers make plays, and you should win this game fairly easily. BYU is 4-1 and one at home, but they beat Sam Houston State, they beat Southern Utah, they beat Cincinnati and Texas Tech. And the Tech victory... Red Raiders turned it over five times. BYU had like 240 yards total offense, but Tech couldn't get out of their own way. They lost, of course, at home last week, this past weekend, to Iowa State, and Iowa State dominated that game. So BYU comes in on a three-game losing streak against OU. From a listener in the 580, I swear, the next series after the Stoops hit, he tucked and trucked a DB, then told him about it when he got up, like he did it on purpose to send a message. That man definitely has that dog in him yeah i i told you guys you if you've heard this before i apologize but when we did when i worked with the ultimate back in the day and we did that show called the locker room on sunday nights bob was coming out for an interview the whole family came out drake and isaac i don't know they must have been like six seven years old something like that maybe a little bit older but they they were young kids, and Bob and Carol went to meet some of the people and kind of look at the facility or whatever. Anyway, so we had a conference room where guests or their families would stay, and we had some snacks and stuff in there. And Drake and Isaac, the minute that the parents left, boom, it was a pro wrestling event. And it was, I think it was Drake who took Isaac's head and slammed it into the table, the conference table, like, boom! And I'm like thinking, I'm seeing this, and I'm like, holy cow! When I was that age, I would have been crying and running to mommy. But they both just, then they went at it. They didn't break anything, but they were <laughs> wrestling around. And you could tell, man, you talk, that's Youngstown, Ohio DNA right there going at it in the conference room. So he's been a tough, they've been tough kids for a long time. And uh, I can only imagine in the Stoops household when Bob and Mike and Mark and you know, they were growing up that there was probably some of that happening until they got disciplined. But um, he's a tough kid. And more than that, he is a great football player. He really is. He's a fantastic – he's an NFL football player. And I'm glad Neil Brown acknowledged it. I'm glad somebody whose opinion means something in the world of football, i.e. not the lost ogle, this decided is, to 
put the NFL label on Drake Stoops because he deserves it and has deserved it for quite some time. This is more than, well, what a great walk-on. He might win the uh, Burlesworth Award. He's made the most of his opportunity, earned a scholarship, and all of that stuff. You're looking right now at a one of the really good wide receivers to play at the University of Oklahoma. And pound for pound, he's he's there with anybody. But he has just been uh, amazing. Do you know why Deshaun McCullough didn't play Saturday? Clearly, Brent Venable said he was banged up, and it was just kind of precautionary. You know, especially especially with the way that game flowed, as Oklahoma took command so early, there came a point at which you realized, okay, you don't really need to put Deshaun McCullough in this game. So why stretch it? Uh, OU Lou from Hennepin, Hennepin. Is it Hennepin or Hennepin? I forget. Anyway, OU Lou wants to know, did you go over who needs to lose this weekend so that we get to the Big 12 championship? Okay, OU Lou, here's the deal. There are a bunch of bizarre tiebreaker scenarios that can come so into play. So many, it's crazy. But the easiest path for the Sooners would be this. Take notes, follow along closely. This is what you want if you're an Oklahoma fan and you don't want to have to worry about tiebreakers coming into play. You would like... Houston to beat Oklahoma State this weekend. You would like Texas to beat Iowa State this weekend. And you would like Kansas to beat Kansas State this weekend. If those three things happen, Oklahoma is in the Big 12 championship provided they beat BYU and beat TCU. It is as simple as that. If those three outcomes go your way this weekend, you do not have to worry about any of the tiebreakers. You're going to the Big 12 championship. But don't you want Iowa State to beat Texas, and you want Oklahoma State in Arlington, don't you? OU, OSU? But you can't can't guarantee that. That's the thing. Yeah. And so if, if you want to go to the Big 12 championship, here's the deal. Beggars can't be choosers at this point. You can't say, oh, this is the matchup I want. I'm going to root for this because this is who I want to see in the Big 12 championship. No, if you want to play in Arlington, you root for Houston this weekend, you root for Texas this weekend, much as it might pain you to do so, and you root for Kansas this weekend. Those are the three teams you want to win. All right, let's break right here. we got a ton of texts coming in, as usual. We're going to get to as many. LaDonna from Lubbock, I see you in here. Yes, it was very difficult to root for Texas Tech, but I did it. I did it. Sometimes you have to root for bad things and bad people. And that's what you did with uh, Tech in Kansas on Saturday. How about old Mule Shoe getting called out, coming up the ramp? (laughs) One of those videos was a little over the top, but wow. Anybody else I would have said, nah, don't do that. Mule Shoe, I say go for it. We'll be right back. No doubt about that. Well, the Sooner offense was feeding the monster Saturday night. No doubt about it. 59 points. Defense played well as well. Just a great overall night for Sooner fans and the OU football team. 59-20. They beat what I think is still a pretty good West Virginia team, but they uh, controlled the football game. Looking ahead to BYU as a 24.5-point favorite. Welcome back. Riverwind Casino today. Get out and play with your wild card. The electric winnings promotion. Uh, those drawings are on Saturday night, but if you get out and play with your wild card on Monday and Tuesday, you can, for every five points in your wild card, get 10 entries for the drawing again on a Saturday night. So get on out there today, play with your wild card. Uh, we have uh, two more drawings, the 18th and the 25th. 
uh, both Saturday nights for the electric winnings promotion. They're giving away $100,000 in cash and bonus play. We've got a concert coming up Saturday night at the Showplace Theater uh, featuring Justin Moore in December. On the way, Pete Davidson, Lee Bryce, Ron White, Midland on New Year's Eve in January, Boys to Men and Joe Coy, and in February, Scotty McCreary. You can uh, get on the Riverwind website, go to entertainment, and then uh, slide over to events, and you can get your tickets there at riverwind.com, or you can go by the Showplace Theater box office. Riverwind Casino, always great promotions, great service, great chance to go out and win, great people out at Riverwind Casino. All right, what about Jackson Arnold not coming in and Davis Bevel coming in? What do you uh, think? Well, it makes sense when you – truly sit down and think about it and brent venables and jeff levy both didn't explicitly say hey we want a redshirt jackson arnold but both of them kind of implied in their comments after the game saturday that the possibility of hanging on to arnold's redshirt is part of why they chose to put in davis bevel because levy said and i'm paraphrasing here but basically what he said after the game was look if we're in a situation where we need jackson arnold we're not going to hesitate to play Jackson Arnold. Right. But if it comes down to a situation where we had the option to get him a redshirt year and preserve a year of eligibility and we couldn't because we'd put him in at the very end of a meaningless game against West Virginia where a we game had by it was 40 getting, points. They were pretty it was a pretty chippy game at that point too. Yeah. So it it, it makes sense logistically why you put Davis Bevelin? Because there's no reason to put Jackson Arnold in, right? Other than to excite the fans for 30 seconds. Are there some people but, that thinking that Jackson Arnold will be around three years now? I mean, who knows? I I don't anticipate that Jackson Arnold will be at Oklahoma longer than four years. And I think in an ideal world, you would like him gone in three. Because if he's gone in three, then that means he's playing pretty high-level football and your team yeah, is probably winning absolutely. a lot of games. But, again... You never know what can happen later on down the line with a kid like that. Maybe he has a Caleb Kelly type career where he just keeps getting hurt and keeps getting hurt and keeps getting hurt. And at some point, you know, again, you don't want garbage time to it's have been the reason why. It's an insurance policy for Jackson Arnold. Yeah, kind of. You they don't made want that garbage time to have been the reason why a kid lost a year of eligibility for playing five games. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, 405-651-3439. Let's get to the Knibbelmeyer Chevrolet text line. LaDonna from Lubbock says, why not booty? The fans <laughs> would go nuts. LaDonna, can we just say that you're awesome out there in Lubbock? Thank you for all you do for the Sooner Nation out there in Sand Aggie country. KW918 says, Jackson Arnold was on that phone saying, Coach, you do you, but I ain't going to be playing college football for five years. He was warming up. He had his helmet on, right? Looked like he was, was going to go. Yeah. I couldn't tell from I my know, On the TV point. telecast, uh, it looked like he was ready to go in. I said, well, I got, get ready, Jackson Arnold. Because some of our patrons had lost maybe a little bit of interest in the game, but they were ready to run back in when they thought Jackson Arnold was, was going to play. So. Okay, 405-651-3439. LG Sooner 63 says, just goes to show, Mule Shoe can go anywhere he wants, but can't escape Sooner Nation. <laughs> did you like that, or did you think that was, eh, what did you think? I, I About 80% of people that I saw liked it. There was one where there were some F-bombs involved and everything, and I was like, mm, that was a little, 
you know, I'm not trying to play Mr. Goody Two Shoes here, but that one, but the one where he's walking up the ramp. Did you approve? And she goes, Boomer Sooner, you traitor. (laughs) Yeah, that one I'm good with. I thought that was funny. What did Mule Shoe say? Did we ever figure it out? He said, you got it, sweetheart. Which I I don't know. He looked like he pointed angrily, though, at first, but Mule Shoe had other things on his mind because, well, they had had organ problems Saturday night. Big Rich and OKC would like to know what happens if Texas and Oklahoma State lose this weekend. Well, here's the thing. If Texas and Oklahoma State lose, then at minimum what you have is a three-way tie atop the Big 12 between Oklahoma, Texas, and Iowa State. Now, that would also be – it could be a four-way tie dependent upon what happens in the Kansas-Kansas State game, the Sunflower Showdown. But if you have a three-way tie for first, I, I'm i not entirely sure I have this straight. It's hard to be sure of anything when you have to deal with so many scenarios. And so this many is like an MIT equation at some point. as I understand it, if it is more than a two-way tie, I don't think head-to-head matters. So even though Oklahoma will have beaten both Texas and Iowa State at that point, I don't think head-to-head is the tiebreaker. So again, the easiest thing, if you're an Oklahoma fan and you want to see your team playing in Arlington, you would like to see Houston beat Oklahoma State, you would like to see Kansas beat Kansas State, and you would like to see Texas beat Iowa State. At that point, you get a Red River rematch in the Big 12 title game, assuming Oklahoma takes care of business. Yeah, and that's the main thing you need to uh, think about right now is taking care of business out in Provo and uh, that Friday after Thanksgiving against TCU. There's somebody who was talking about the basement boxing matches for the Stoopses. There it is. Steely, Bob has famously chronicled the basement boxing matches in the Stoops house with the Stoops brothers, Bo Pelini and Ray Boom Boom Mancini. You think these guys didn't beat the, you know, what out of each other? Boom Boom Mancini, man, he killed a man in the ring, Duke Ku Kim, with a punch back in the day. Yeah, you grow up in Youngstown, Ohio, you've got to be pretty tough. That's just a prerequisite. If you're born there, I think you have to be tough. Okay, uh, do you want to get one more in? Yeah, well, let's see what we got. Uh, oh, here's one from the 580. With Jimbo getting a size 12 cleat up the keister, any chance we get some unexpected five stars? We discussed this briefly, OU Sky, last segment. Um, Who's most likely? W- David Hicks? I would say all in all the most likely is probably David Hicks, yeah. Yeah. Terry Bussey? Will he wait within to see? Within the realm of possibility. A&M, they're, within the next two weeks, he, they're going to have a coach, it looks like. Would you think? How long can they wait? And that's the big question. Because is how, of signing day. How long are you willing to wait? Because, for instance, I know for a fact A&M is going to take a swing at Dan Lanning. Mm-hmm. I know that for a fact. Now, that is not to say Dan Lanning becomes the next head coach, but that is a phone call A&M is going to make if it hasn't already been placed. Will you see which money is more powerful, Phil Knight or A&M's? Yes. But here's the deal. If you want to hire Dan Lanning, even theoretically, 
Yeah. You're going to have to wait till Oregon season is over, which at this point is not going to be until after the first weekend of December. And if they get a rematch with Washington, I think they'll win it. I so. do too. And you're going to get into a bidding war with Oregon. But again, if, if we're talking timeline there, because with the class that A&M has committed in the 2024 cycle, you're going to start losing guys if you don't have an answer pretty soon here. If you don't have a new coach named pretty soon here. So are you willing to run that risk and maybe wait till after the regular season concludes to try and bring on a huge name that would shake the college football world? Urban Meyer. I mean, you could hire Urban Meyer. Would A and M? Would A and M? I wouldn't put that past A and M. Would you? No, I mean A and M built a staff of scumbags. Who's to say they can't replace scumbags with more scumbags? A staff of scumbags with a lot of money. Who would be the most? How about Lane Kiffin? Would they go after Coach Prime? By the way, or is his the luster off Dion right now? Or are there too many hillbillies at A and M that? Would not want to hire him. Hopefully not, you know, in this day and age. But here's the thing: who knows? Whoever A and M hires, whatever A and M decides to do, it is going to be loud. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of money involved. So you don't think it would be like Mike Elko then? No, I do not think it would be Duke. Mike Elko. Now, I think Mike Elko would be an awesome hire. However. I don't think A and M is going to go for the sensible hire. I think they're going to go for the sexy hire. You know who I go roll. for? And I'm Mule not, shoe. No, I. Oh, I would go for Lance Leipold. That's who I'd go for, Lance Gosh. Leipold. Well, but that's the thing is that yeah, it's kind of like A and M and Texas have a lot of similarities. They're not. I wouldn't call them similar jobs, but they have similarities in that. If you're going to bring in a coach like Lance Leipold, one of the things Leipold is going to do is tell all the boosters to F off so that he can do his thing. And yeah. they're not going to like hearing that. Lane Kiffin today and would be kind of scary, I think. And uh, Lane Kiffin, you heard what he said about the Georgia game. Like, yeah, we just need more five stars. And, you know, we've got – we've had like one in so many years and they've, they're recruiting like 15, you know, all the time. All right, we got a break right here. Stay patient. We're going to get to as many texts as we can. By the way, Jesse Crittenden normally at 135 on Mondays, one, a little after one today because Porter Moser has a presser later today. Sooner basketball off to a 2-0 and start. And uh, Oklahoma, again, looking pretty good. A lot more athletic as well. So Jesse will be on with us just after one. Sooner men play Texas State tomorrow night, 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Be right back. We are back. It's a very happy Monday program after the Sooners break that two-game losing streak. Played well on both sides of the football and uh, have some momentum headed out to Provo for the uh, matchup with BYU, 11 a.m. Coming up this weekend, Oklahoma again a heavy favorite in that game. It'll be 11 a.m. on ESPN. So, if A&M went Muleshoe, Muleshoe's just the guy to turn his back on uh, someplace after committing to them, right? How about Clark Stroud leading Yale practice at A&M? Oh, you wouldn't see, it be perfect? You could see him doing that. He likes attention, right? Wouldn't that be perfect? You know what? Hey! Uh, you could see Clark Stroud out there doing that whole clown routine they do. <laughs> oh, man. Yep, A&M's the perfect job for Muleshoe. 
I've made up my mind. Now, he wait a minute. He needs to be Texas A&M's next head coach. Do you think he would actually go there? Do you think, I, do you think he would? Yes. But do you think – I guess the better way the, – the question should be, would A&M hire Muleshoe based on what they've seen recently? Yes. Because here's the thing. <laughs> here's, here's the perfect comparison, Steely. Steely is the psycho pretty girl that every guy is convinced they can fix. Isn't he? I because am like, or Mule No, Mule is. is. Yeah. You said Steely is. I'm like, I am? Oh, like, wait. Oh, did I say that? Okay. That's all right. Mule, th- let me rephrase. Mule Shoe is the psycho pretty girl that every guy thinks they can fix. Because he's objectively an awesome offensive mind, right? Yeah, Nobody can take that away from him. It looks very sexy on the outside. I'm not talking about physical yes. appearance, but, you know, throwing the ball around, getting some great athletes. And then when you once you go to – then you meet that girl and you finally sit down and have, like, a conversation. You're like, oh, my gosh. This, yeah, she's got baggage. This person has no clue. And here's None. the thing. I know she's very pretty, but there's really nothing up in that cranium that resembles <laughs> a brain. And A&M and every other school will think, oh – we can fix him. All we have to do is bring in a good defensive coordinator. But you can't fix it. You can't fix him. And eventually everybody finds that out the hard way. If you had to pick one name right now you think A&M is going to wind up with, who would it be? If you had, I said, Parker, you got to put 100 bucks on this. With no odds, just who do you think A&M Winds up with. You got to pick one name. Well, I want to say Dan Lanning, but I can't say Dan Lanning because he's he's currently the head coach of the one program that would outbid A&M to keep him. How about Lane? Not Lane. No. I, I In fact, I asked somebody. Then it falls to Urban Meyer, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? I might be willing to go there. I, it's funny. I asked somebody because I, I caught wind that Jimbo was on the way out about a week and a half ago. And I asked the person that had hit me up about it at that time. I was like, so is Lane Kiffin going to be in the picture? And the response I got was, and I quote, hell no. Really? Hmm. Because he dogged a him so much. I, he'd be good there. Would Dion work at A&M? No. Some people are saying that Dion would only go to Texas and in that state. That's the only job he'd take. But A&M, well, Dion's got a lot of money, but A&M money does talk more loudly than just about any school in the country. Here's the thing. It's not going to be the hire that you expect. It's either going to be somebody completely outside the box or the hottest name on the coaching carousel, which I suppose is either Dan Lanning or Urban Meyer. You know or what? the Patriots fire Bill Belichick, and he decides he's going to step down and ends up in College Station. Yeah, there's no shot. I think I, I'll go Urban Meyer. Nope, nope, I'll take it back. As much as I want to go Urban Meyer, I will actually go Mule Shoe. Oh my Mule gosh. Shoe to Texas A&M, because he, he's wearing out his welcome at USC. You think the, the ship is starting to take on water there? 
The gales of November came early. The for, gales of uh, November have USC. come a little early. <laughs> By the way, Sooner James from Wisconsin, thank you for bringing the Edmund Fitzgerald Porter. We got a craft beer. I forgot to bring your bottle in today, but thank you, Sooner James, for stopping by Balfour. Legend lives on from the Chippewa. Hey, hey, save your vocal cords. Save your vocal cords. You're singing the whole thing again tomorrow. Now, maybe, probably, we'll see. Thank you, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, for sponsoring our number one. We got Jesse Crittenden coming up. We're going to try and get to as many texts as we can. Keep it here. The one and only Jesse Crittenden joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline here to start hour number two. OU Insider does a great job. Jesse, I know you've got uh, Porter's Presser coming up here in about uh, 25 minutes or so, so we moved you uh, to 1 o'clock. So, best performance of the year for Oklahoma when you consider every game. Not the best win. That's clearly always going to be Texas, but best performance of the year? What do you think? Yeah, I think easily. I mean, the Arkansas State game, you know, the Tulsa game, those were those were easy wins. Those were games Oklahoma was going to win. But I think when you take into consideration uh, how tough really the last three weeks had been heading into Saturday, uh, the criticisms about the offense, you know, the, the defense kind of being a little bit inconsistent. I mean, the offense was, was red hot really from the get-go. And, you know, defensively, after that first possession, I think you know. I'm. I think fans everywhere were a little nervous, but the defense really settled in. I mean, after that that first touchdown, you know, over the next five drives, uh, West Virginia only had 13 yards, didn't get a first down. When you look at how much OU needed this win, I think not only for uh, you know program stability, but also to, to stay alive in the Big 12 race, uh, and and also just you know the criticisms criticisms that were mounting. When you look at you know, complimentary football and both sides of the ball playing really well. Yeah, I think it's easily um, – I think Brett Venable said it best after the after the game. It's probably the most complete performance of the season, and it, and it could not have come at a better time for this Oklahoma team. Is that performance on Saturday, Jesse, indicative of the reality that it's as simple as sticking with what works offensively is the only like, – well, I guess I should say – that's really all that Oklahoma needs to do in order to stay in a rollicking rhythm? Yeah, I think you saw, I mean, look, uh, first and foremost at the running back room, that's, you know, that's been a source of confusion and frustration for most of the season. But Gavin Sawchuk uh, looks, I mean, he looks like he did against Florida State. He's regained that explosiveness. He's made four starts, and, or four consecutive starts. And on Saturday, the coaching staff didn't really mess with trying to get a bunch of guys uh, onto the field for the competitive portion of the game. It was all Gavin Sawchuk. You know, he averaged over six yards a carry, uh, had a new career high with over 130 yards. He was the bell cow at running back. And, yeah, I think, it, you know, that was just an example of, you know, for the one of the first times this season that the coaching staff didn't overthink themselves. They didn't get cute. They stuck with what was working. And then look in the receiving game. I mean, really, you know, Angel Anthony's injury still hurts, but I think this team has finally realized that Drake Stoops is legitimately the wide receiver one for this team. I mean, over the last four weeks, he has 33 receptions. Uh, he leads the team in, in targets and receptions and receiving yards and touchdowns. And, you know, other guys made made big plays, obviously Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson. But uh, without Angel Anthony, this, you know, this team over the last few weeks, Dylan Gabriel has kind of been forcing the ball to, to Drake Stoops, and it's been working. So 
I think you saw, you know, with Drake Stoops getting with, – with him getting hot, with Gavin Sawchuk running the ball really well, you know, there wasn't really any confusing personnel decisions really on either side of the ball. I mean, you look defensively, they stuck with Danny Stutzman and Kip Lewis at linebacker. That duo looks really good. Peyton Bowen got a lot of snaps. He looks healthier. I think this is one of the, the first times this season that most of the personnel decisions made a lot of sense, and they, they stuck with what was working instead of maybe trying to be creative for the sake of being creative. Jesse, have you figured out all the scenarios for Oklahoma getting to what, – what is the simple process for you when you're looking at Oklahoma getting to the Big 12 championship? Clearly, obviously, Oklahoma winning out is the biggest part of that, but – which scenario do you think is uh, realistic for OU? The, the simplest one is is Texas losing. If Texas loses and Oklahoma wins out, I believe it would be a bedlam rematch. Uh, or and that's assuming Oklahoma State also wins out. That would be a, a bedlam rematch uh, in Arlington, which would be pretty crazy to think about. But that's not the only that's not the only scenario where Oklahoma gets in. But that's by far the easiest. I think if you're an OU fan, you're rooting for a bedlam rematch, but obviously we've seen, you know, week over week that so much can change. I mean, Oklahoma State, it was kind of like Oklahoma a few weeks ago after the Texas win. It's like, where's the loss on this schedule? We were thinking the same thing about Oklahoma State, and then they get absolutely drilled by UCF. So uh, for simplicity's sake, I think the easiest way is for Oklahoma to win out, for Oklahoma State to win out, and for Texas to lose one. There's other things that can happen, you know, depending on what Oklahoma State does, what Kansas State does. There could be some some wacky three and four game or three and four team ties where, you know, tiebreakers get into it. Uh, that's not the only way OU gets in, but I think for simplicity's sake, that's what you're rooting for is for OU and OSU to win out and for Texas to lose and for us to get one more final Bedlam game in Arlington. Now, uh, in that case, you'd actually need Kansas or whoever Kansas State plays in the finale to beat the Wildcats because uh, if the Wildcats win their last two games and Texas were to lose, it would actually be Kansas State-Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. I saw a tweet about it Saturday night. That's the only reason I know that because the tiebreaker scenarios are completely wacky. But, Jesse, as we look ahead to the final two weeks for Oklahoma and – especially look at the way that that offense was firing on all cylinders Saturday. How much does Gavin Sawchuck's emergence kind of lift all boats via the rising tide for Oklahoma offensively? It's no surprise that OU's probably best offensive performance of the season came with Gavin Sawchuck running really, really well and consistently. I mean, I think – this offense, the way Jeff Levy calls plays, he historically leans on the running game. He always has. This team, the last two seasons, has run the ball more than its past. And I think for the passing game to open up, I think for, for everything this team wants to do with tempo and, and things like that, that was, I mean, that consistent running game has been missing for a large chunk of the season. So, again, I, I don't think it's any coincidence that Gavin Sawchuck emerging not only with his explosiveness but his consistency, that that's kind of what fueled a really good offensive performance against a West Virginia team who's who defensively has played pretty decently uh, this season. So I think you know uh, you know it, it's maybe a little frustrating that after ten games or it took ten games for OU to kind of settle on something. But you know, better late than never. I think you're going to see uh, over these last two regular season games 
that Gavin Sawchuk is the guy, and that's what this team should stick with. He, again, he averaged over six yards per carry. When the running game is going, everything else opens up, and I think that's what Oklahoma needs to lean on. And I think it's no surprise that even Dylan Gabriel, who it took a minute for him to settle in, but eventually his own running game combined with Gavin Sawchuk's opened up the passing game for, for guys like Greg Stoops and Nick Anderson. So uh, no coincidence, big thing, and I think that's, I think OU fans can maybe take some solace in the fact that, you know, they, they've got those things figured out and, you know, th- there's there's reasons to be confident in this offense over the last two regular season games. If you had to pick an MVP player for the Sooners right now, still with two regular season games left, who would it be? Well, outside of outside of Dylan Gabriel at quarterback, it has to be Drake Stoops. I mean, I, I just I just think it does. He has been incredibly consistent and good all season. But what he's done since he since Andrew Anthony's injury is no short of of remarkable. I mean, I tweeted this earlier this morning, but you know, over the last four games, if you took that to a twelve game pace, he's on that twelve game pace would be ninety nine receptions, over thirteen hundred yards, and fifteen touchdowns. That's how incredible he's been. Again, he leads the team in essentially every receiving category. He's been Dylan Gabriel's number one option. And he's not – I mean, he gets open all the time, but he's not just getting open and outrunning everybody. It's his, it's his toughness. It's his ability to, to make catches in traffic. Uh, I think he's been a godsend for, the, for this passing attack. I mean, again, he has 62 receptions on the season. Jalil Farouk is second with 35. He's nearly doubled the number two receiver in receptions. I think Drake Stoops has not only been a godsend for for leadership. Uh, I don't he, he hasn't just been for his performance on the field, but I think he's raised his draft stock as well. I think he's a guy that you're probably going to hear his name called, and there, he's a guy that this team really really needs over the next couple of games if they if they want to stay viable in the Big Twelve race. So um, there's a lot of guys you can look defensively too. Obviously, Danny Sutzman has been fantastic, but I think Drake Stoops for what he's been to this offense, uh, I think he's easily the MVP. You want to talk about that defensive side of the football for just a second there, Jesse. It seems like the Sooners have really found a hidden gem in Kip Lewis. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, the way he stepped in for for Danny Stutzman, uh, really in the second half of Kansas, but last weekend against Oklahoma State and then on Saturday against West Virginia – I mean, he, he got spot-up duty, you know, for the most part through the first few weeks of the season. But, I mean, Brent Venables said it after the game. He is just a guy that, you know, it, it's simple. He sees the ball and he, he goes and gets the ball. That's how he is. I think he just has a feel and, and instincts for the game that not everybody else does. And, again, I think that's sometimes the fun of, of going through a season is seeing what guys, you know, kind of emerge as the season goes on. Um, you know, I think other things have kind of lifted – or have kind of opened the door for him. You know, Jaron Kanick, who, you know, to his credit, played really well uh, in the second half on Saturday, but I think they needed somebody with a little bit more consistency, uh, with, you know, a little bit more explosiveness, and that's what Kip Lewis has brought. And I think he's not only, I think, solidified himself as the starter next to Danny Sussman for the rest of the year, but I think you've got to feel incredibly confident about, you know, going into the future uh, with not only Kip Lewis, but Kobe McKenzie, too. So, I mean, but yeah, I think Kip Lewis has all of a sudden within the last couple of weeks become an incredibly important part of this offense. I mean, he has, or of this defense, he has 22 tackles over the last two weeks. I think you're going to see that continue uh, this weekend. Jesse, good stuff. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. 
Thank you guys for having me on. Jesse Crittenden, OU Insider, joining us here on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Hour number two, always brought to you by Oklahoma Generator. They have a great, great track record. All the reviews are tremendous, not only for their products, but their customer service, their reputation, impeccable. Highest rated and longest operating Generac dealer, Oklahoma Generator. You all need a generator if you're in the state of Oklahoma. There's going to be one of those times it gets cold, the power lines go down. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Well, here's what you do. You call Oklahoma Generator at 405-321-6631 or check them out online at okgen.com. Was that your Myrtle voice? That was my Myrtle voice. Oh, my gosh, what do we do? So, anyway, we have, wait a minute, I'm being told we have exclusive Mule Shoe Clark Stroud audio potentially coming up concerning involvement already with A&M. Hmm, interesting. We may have that when we get back. Keep it here on The Ref. Steelman and Thune on this Monday. Sooner fans very happy with the performance Saturday night by Oklahoma. They blow away West Virginia 59-20. Head to Provo for a meeting with BYU. 11 a.m. It's a uh, it's a Provo rooster. It's what it is. I oh, Here's the paper right here. This is, Wow. The University of Southern California has canceled its regular football practice. The Trojans play UCLA this Saturday in the battle for Los Angeles. Being told right now that Lincoln Riley, Special Assistant Clark Stroud, Strength and Conditioning Coach Benny Wiley, and Assistant Coach Roy Manning canceled practice and are meeting behind closed doors. Wow. I wonder what's going on. Can we listen in with our secret microphones to see what uh, Lincoln Riley, Clark Stroud, Benny Wiley, and Roy Manning are up to? Pass it back, Eggs. Pass it back, Eggs. Pump it, Eggs. Pump it, Eggs. Wow. One, two, three. Hey. Wow. Looks natural. Let's we'll see what else is happening. Hump it eggs. Hump it eggs. One. There's two, that's Mule Shoe leading three. the cheer. A G G I E S. A G G I E S. A. Clark wow, Stroud. Clark Stroud looks like he's out of uh, out of sync with the rest of them, though. Right now, we have Didn't he? we have sources everywhere, folks. This is why you tune into the Homeless Sooner. We fans. do. We have moles and microphones and sources, coast to coast. Mark Ramin, it says, "Wow, they can spell Aggies." <laughs> All right, 405-651-3439. Let's get back to the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Sooner Soldier says, somebody tried to break into his house again. That's why they're meeting. <laughs> well done, Sooner Soldier. Salute Cam- to you, sir. Camo Sooner says, how does someone who played and worked for Mike Leach turn out the way he did? Speaking of mule shoe, that is. <sighs> Man, we miss Mike Leach. Wow. 
You know, and uh, Zach Arnett fired 11 games into his tenure. But there will never be another Mike Leach, that's for sure. I still like the story about the uh, one of the first meetings uh, they had at Mississippi State. Or was it Washington? I think it was Wazoo, actually, where the first 90 minutes was on the history of dipping while they were all dipping in the offensive meeting room. Mike Leach went over that. So, But they all said – you know, don't don't make any comments when he's going over the film or anything because you're going to be here an extra hour. It's like somebody, if you go into a meeting <laughs> and they raise their hand, the meeting's almost over and they ask another question, you want to kill that person, basically. So that's what it would appear, apparently was like with uh, Mike Leach. Back By the then. way, I'd, I was reading an ESPN story about a month back. I believe it was from Dave Wilson. And it was a story about Mike Leach and his air raid coaching tree. And I ran upon, I, I came upon this portion of the article. I'll read you a snippet. And I was astonished because obviously Muleshoe is as paranoid a man as it gets in college football. And I just don't understand how he became that way after reading this. Leach made sure his coaches knew that he wanted them to teach visitors anything they wanted to know. There was only one issue. They didn't believe us, said Lincoln Riley, who was a student assistant for Leach, because the entire offense was so simple. I've never been to a place where you had more coaches around constantly, Riley said. Mike was so open to people coming in. You think just Texas high school coaches? No, I'm talking professional coaches, college coaches from all around the country, high school coaches from all around the country every single year. There's a group from Japan that came, groups from England that came over. I mean, you name it, we had them. So Mike Leach literally had the open-door policy oh, yeah. of all open-door policies. And Muleshoe, who cut his teeth in Leach's program at Texas A&M, or I'm sorry, Texas Tech, not Texas A&M. See, now I got Aggie on the brain. Muleshoe was raised in that discipline and yet he has become the most notoriously paranoid coach in all of college football. Yeah. Make it make sense. I know. By the way, uh, 405 is thrown out, and this is another name that I've heard right, and uh, Dan Campbell. Now, he's at the Lions. He's doing a great job. Love that guy, man. You talk about instilling toughness. Played at Texas A&M. Uh, was a tight end there. So, maybe Dan Campbell. Who knows? Uh, 918's throwing out Cliff Kingsbury to A&M. He was Johnny Manziel's OC back in the day. Surely they're not going to give the Kingsbury experiment a shot, right? We've seen how that ends. Mm -hmm. We've seen how that pans out. Steely, you ask, uh, would they hire Dion based on, do they have some uh, old A&M hillbillies there? They did hire Kevin Sumlin. Yes, they, they've already hired, obviously, an African-American head coach, and Kevin Sumlin's record was better than Jimbo's. But one who uh, craves the spotlight as much as Coach Prime does, I don't know. I I think it might be uh, – that might be a direction that I would go. Parker, what do you think? Would Dion be dangerous at Texas A&M with all that money? I think knowing Dion. And I say knowing Dion. I've never met Dion Sanders. Just knowing how Dion Sanders operates. I feel as though he probably enjoys the amount of control he has right now at Colorado. Probably true. Which yeah. probably would not be the same dynamic in College Station. 
Yeah, I can't see Dion at A&M. I'm not saying it wouldn't work, but I just I can't get that picture in my head. More so at Texas, but even then, there's not a lot of control there either. These are institutions that have a boatload of money, pretty much as much or more than anybody else in college football. But there are some, uh, there's some boosters and important people you have to deal with at both places that like to throw their weight around. That's for sure. Okay, let's get some more in. If A&M was to hire Muleshoe, would they have to buy out his contract at USC? After buying out Jimbo, that seems like a ridiculous amount of money before even paying a new contract salary. I'm sure A&M, A&M is stupid enough to do it, but still. Yeah, that's the thing. A- A&M has virtually limitless money, and they're not going to be afraid to spend it with this hire. They will not. Yeah. You think Jimbo was pricey? I will bet you. That buyout aside, because that buyout clause was ridiculous, and I don't think A&M will replicate that again. But I think if we're talking in terms of sheer salary, whatever the next coach is making will be more than what Jimbo was making. Did you see the uh, stat that Jimbo's buyout, which is a little over $75 million, is more than the athletic budget of any other school outside the Power Five? I, I mean, I believe it. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, that's half of the largest athletic budgets in the Power Five. Pretty sure the tip of the top programs bring in slash spend around $150 million per year. Sooner Jeff says, would A&M throw money at BV or even crazier, Sark? I wouldn't think so. Because you have to figure, well, A... Venables would not leave Oklahoma for Texas A&M. No, and, and Brent, I don't know that Brent would leave Oklahoma for, what if Dabo stepped out? Would he go to Clemson? I still think he's I think he's pretty much locked into Oklahoma, would be my guess. I believe he is content with this Oklahoma yeah. gig as well. And Sark, no, you can't hire Sark because you have to be mindful of what the fan base is going to think. You think the fan base is going to want Texas as coach? No, they would revolt. Yeah. How about Mike Gundy to Texas A&M? Oh, boy. Would it be a really smart hire? Yeah, absolutely it would. Again, I will go back to it. Okay. If Gundy could get Rob Glass to come with him. Rob Glass is big time. Gundy and Rob Glass ended up at Texas A&M, folks, that could be a national championship recipe. Because the one thing Oklahoma State does not have, the Texas A&M does, is an enormous freaking recruiting budget. That is going to be the next big story, isn't it? Mike Gundy to A&M. I doubt it, but it would be a heck of a hire. Mike Gundy has always gotten, look, 45-3 to over the weekend, yes. And here's what you don't do, folks. When Vegas throws you a line and you see that Central Florida is only favored by uh, only a a two-and-a-half-point underdog to Oklahoma State, that means Vegas thinks, and this is going to be a close ball game. Don't be an idiot like me and think, ah, yeah, well, Vegas, they don't have that, right? Oklahoma State can cover that easily. Well, guess what? It was 14 to nothing within a matter of moments, and it was a total butt-kicking. Ollie Gordon's Heisman run over, unless he runs for like 250 yards a game. You think it's over? I do. And like I said, he's got to have two <laughs> huge games, which he might. My guy right now would be Jaden Daniels. I know, but kind of feels prisoner of the moment. But he had an awesome game Saturday. But I mean, his numbers are unbelievable. Can't you know? LSU cannot cannot play 
very good defense. But he's been great. Would you go with Penix or uh, do you see Bo Nix as the guy? It seems like he's kind of the well. There's like no clear answer right now. I'm very much at the point because, like, I'll be honest. This point last year, I and many others pretty much had my mind made up as to who I was going to cast my vote for. Now, I was obviously willing to see what happened down the stretch and whether Max Duggan had a couple unbelievable performances to close the year, but it was pretty apparent at this time last year that Caleb Williams was the clear-cut guy, right? There is no clear-cut guy right now. No, no, it's it's going to come down, and again, uh, uh, I, right now, it's it's crazy. Ollie Gordon could get very much back into it, but when you look at these national polls, you rarely see his name like in the top five. And he would have to rush for at least 200, I would think, in the next two games. Maybe 175 if he got like four touchdowns each. But certainly didn't help his cause over the weekend. Jim Harbaugh to Aggieland? Many are asking. Mm, He might need a job. You know. Dan Lanning would be a great hire. I just think that Oregon, I I think that they would – they're one of the schools, as Parker said, that could – could win a bidding war against Texas A&M, or at least be in the same ballpark, right, with Phil Knight. Okay, break time right here, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet tax line. We're going to get to as many as we can when we get back, so keep it right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right, we are back, home of Sooner fans, Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune. Into the 1 o'clock hour here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Riverwind Casino, got a big weekend planned to get another great show at the Showplace Theater. Justin Moore on the Showplace Theater stage coming up this Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Some tickets available. Get your tickets online at riverwind.com or at the casino box office. We have shows in December. SNL's Pete Davidson will be there December 3rd. We also have Lee Bryce December 15th. Ron White's coming up on December 30th. That's right. Blue Collar Comedy Tour. Ron White himself. Midland with a uh, concert on New Year's Eve at the Showplace Theater. That'll be a lot of fun. That starts at 9 p.m. They'll take you right up to New Year's Eve in January. We bring in the new year with Boys to Men, January 12th. Joe Coy, January 27th. And then in February, Scotty McCreary on February 23rd. Riverwind did a great uh, thing for the vets, the 15K uh, veterans and Victories promotion on Saturday. They gave a bunch of cash and bonus play to uh, veterans out there, uh, not only in the big 15K cash and bonus play giveaway, but they gave uh, at least 200 of our veterans some bonus play to get started, a veterans hat for the first 200 patrons out there. Riverwind did a great job honoring our veterans. That's what they do. That's how they roll at Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Okay. Uh, man, it's, we always are trying to keep up with the text, but it's difficult to do. Very difficult to do. Like speaking for me. Let's do it though. A listener in the 580 says, I see Levy's name popping up for the Mississippi state job. What are the chances he would take it? You know, and I'm glad you had, we did bring this up in the, in the first hour as well. Yeah, we did. Zach Selman, the AD at uh, Mississippi state in Starkville. Um, what I want to know with you guys if Jeff Levy took that job, would you be happy about that situation? Whether it's for Jeff Levy moving up or I know, you know, Jeff Levy is called a great game Saturday night. He's been, you know, talked about a lot on the text line the previous two weeks. 
How would you feel about that? And if he did go to Mississippi State, which I think could be a very distinct possibility, um, what would you think the Sooners would do for OC? What would you like to see there if it happens? You can always promote from within. Seth so Luttrell. Seth Luttrell. Yeah. yeah. Another guy from the Leach coaching tree that isn't going to mule shoe you because he is yeah. an alumnus of the University of Oklahoma. So, I, look, it's obviously that's a few steps down the road. I, I don't think – well, I shouldn't say I don't think Jeff Levy will be – I don't think Jeff Levy will get a call for the Mississippi State job because I do think he'll get a call. I think that makes sense, right? Zach Selman spent many years in the OU Athletic Department. He overlapped uh, with Jeff Levy as recently as last year at OU. So with the connections there, Levy could get a call. And, hey, you have to imagine, right, if Zach Selman calls up Joe Castiglione and – asks if he can talk to Jeff Levy, asks for a recommendation, you know that Castiglione is at the very least going to mention the flack that Levy has taken amongst the fan base. Mm-hmm. Now, well, yeah, yeah, man, I mean, hey, if he if he wanted to take the Mississippi State job, that might make it easier on everybody. Everybody seems to think if Levy leaves, like he and Jackson Arnold are attached at the hip, like he's automatically going to leave. Yeah, no, look, he, Jackson Arnold is not automatically going to leave if Levy is gone, and I don't think Jeff Levy leaves at least not for that Mississippi State job. That job comes with some challenges. It's not a bad job, but it's not a great one. Facilities, and, I hear, are really good there, actually. Particularly, I, go ahead. Well, I just think it if Jeff Levy bides his time and spends a year or two at Oklahoma with Jackson Arnold running his offense in the SEC, with the potential ceiling that Oklahoma's offense has the next couple of years – he could be in much greater demand as a head coach, say, come 2025, than he is right now. I know it's not a case that Jeff Levy's just waiting for a head coaching opportunity so he can jump on it. No, we've mentioned it before. He had head coaching opportunities last offseason and turned yeah. them down in order to return to Oklahoma. All right, 405-651-3439. The 918 said, all right, let's hear the question everybody wants to hear, and I can almost guess what it's going to be. Who's coming from Texas A&M would be my guess. We've talked about it twice, but let's talk about it again. DJ Hicks, Dominic McKinley, Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy, Terry Bussey, maybe, who's committed. Uh, What are we thinking? That listener also added at the tail end of their text, this is the reason why you never burn bridges in recruiting. And ain't that's, that the truth? That's because, 100% accurate. Listen, were people upset after DJ Hicks spurned Oklahoma at the 11th hour to pick A&M? Absolutely. Was I upset? Certainly. I was as upset as anybody. You had an interview recorded with him talking about why he picked Oklahoma. Now the fans, Ready to go. The fans were furious. And understandably so. But again, this is why you don't go, oh, screw that kid. Don't want anything to do with him from here on out. Because then a year later, the program that he signed with is looking for a new head coach in a season of turmoil. And all of a sudden, there's a viable chance that there is a mass portal exodus at that institution. And given the relationships that exist in Oklahoma, if DJ Hicks were to enter the portal, I can almost guarantee you, folks... That kid's going to be a Sooner. Now, okay, if they hit the portal, percentage chance for Hicks, you're going like 90%? It'd be high. I don't know if I would say 90. Dominic McKinley. If if these guys hit the portal. Dominic McKinley? You mean if he decommits? Yes, decommits. Yeah, 40, 50% maybe. Terry Bussey? 
it's about the same. It'd be a heads-up battle in that case between OU and Texas for McKinley and OU and LSU for Boston. All right, so Gabriel Brownlow-Dendy would have to hit the portal. What about what about him? Yeah. At this point, I mean, I don't think Gabriel Brownlow-Dendy leaves because his dad is pastoring a church mm. outside of College Station right now. So I, I don't think he is one that leaves. It does I think sound like a law there. firm, though, doesn't it? Gabriel Go Brown. the law firm of Gabriel Brownlow Dindy. If you've been affected by asbestos, call Gabriel Brownlow Dindy. Something like that. Maybe he can come to Oklahoma, get a law degree, and he and Dylan Gabriel can start a practice together. There you go. have that law firm. Yeah. Or maybe he could work for, like, Noble McIntyre. Stillwater Sooner says Scott Frost, the next head coach at A&M. His coordinators, Brian Ferentz and Alex Grinch. <laughs> that might be the team with the worst point differential oh, in the history man. of football. What about Grant Brick's visit Saturday? Yeah, we'll talk about that on Locked In. Uh, we'll dive into the Brick situation where things stand. Uh, you don't sound too hyped up. You, yeah, we'll talk about that in Locked In. What do you? I, I, were you expecting me to say? Well, <laughs> yes. Good news. You, for you sounded like there's no shot. That sounded like no shot. Grant Bricks silently committed to the University of Oklahoma. See on now, Saturday. somebody, somebody and just now. It's a matter of time until he publicly announces it. Do 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 do. Si thinks that Dunn has a chance at missing. Who like who? Casey which, Dunn. Warwick Dunn. Which uh, Dunn? Oh, yeah, Casey Dunn. There yeah. you go. Okay. Casey Dunn was uh, being ripped, too, earlier in the season. Yeah, he Casey was. Casey Dunn got his two or three weeks early in the season, and Jeff Levy got his later in the season. Talk about 15 minutes of fame. Does every single college football coach become publicly or public enemy number one for 15 minutes at some point? Pretty much, yeah. If you're at an unless you're Brian yeah. Ferentz, in which case you're public public <laughs> enemy number one for like five years. Brian Ferentz couldn't score in Tecmo Bowl. Would be my guess. Not even with Bo Jackson. Yeah, he he would let Bo would have a decent game, but not a great game. Okay, one more before we break. Indecisive Sooner says Texas A&M's next head coach George W. Bush. <laughs> Drew from Flyer Mount says, look, if A&M is smart, they keep the D-line coach that is currently interim, and I think that can limit the D-line losses they would have. I mean, that's all fine and well, but that's not going to happen, and I'll tell you why. It's not sexy enough. No, no. It's not big enough. It's not loud enough. Whatever Texas A&M does, folks, it's going to be loud. Can we hear from Jimbo going into a break? Can we? Uh, yeah, I've got 11-3 Jimbo. Generic Jimbo. I'm sure Tyler will be doing the impression today, but uh, let's just play generic Jimbo. Into the break, right there with the bumper. Jimbo! I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide, and our program has nothing to hide. be interesting if everybody could say that. There you go. Thank you, Jimbo. All right, break time, 405-651-3439. We'll get to as many texts as we can. We're trying, folks. I promise you this text line, it is... It's rolling, rolling, rolling at 100 miles per hour, and we appreciate that. The Ref Army is awesome. We're the capital A, baby. Stay with us here on the Home of Sooner Fans.
All right, if you're uh, in your 40s or older, really getting old like me, and you're thinking about improving your uh, eyesight, let me tell you about the new LASIK. Quite simply put, lens replacement. Lens replacement provides a permanent fix to your visionary needs. And unlike LASIK, which many times will leave patients needing those reading glasses or adjusting to monovision afterwards, lens replacement can totally eliminate the need for additional eyewear after your surgery. The best part of the whole deal with lens replacement, you'll never need, never need a cataract surgery. Lens replacement with the new LASIK, it's a major leap forward in vision correction. So if you're ready to see 2020, then check out the new LASIK available at thenewlasik.com. Let's get to as many of those great texts out there on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line as we can. Let's do it. To the text line we go. Coaching candidate to look out for with Mississippi State is Joe Judge. Now there's a name I haven't heard in a long, long time. Why am I? Why is that? I mean, it's ringing a bell, but he I can't was, place Joe Judge. He was now. the former head coach, very briefly, of the New York Giants, oh, okay. and it did not go well. That's right. Yeah. It, it to say it did not go well is putting it very mildly. Yeah, I just uh, I was trying to think. College guy? What? Okay, there you go. 405-651-3439. LG Sooner 63 says A&M is a perfect example of how NIL can be a program builder or a coach killer. Yeah, I, I think Jimbo was in – how hot was his seat before the NIL stuff really crept in? It was somewhat lukewarm maybe, would you say, before – NIL, NIL really became prevalent? Well, again, and we talked about it before the season. As a matter of fact, we talked about it all off season. This was the year where Jimbo Fisher really had to make something happen because of the way that A&M had recruited for the last three cycles. And with some of those guys getting to the point where they were upperclassmen now and had expectations on their shoulders, you recruit that well and that sustainably for that long – and the results are what they ended up being at A&M, yeah, you're going to find yourself on the first train out of town. And Jimbo Fisher did. Because when you recruit that well, okay, great. But it increases people's expectations. If A&M isn't recruiting that well, and they aren't signing top five classes year after year, then maybe there's a little bit more patience with Jimbo Fisher. But – he kind of set those expectations oh, for himself big time. when yeah. he shelled out. I'm sure it wasn't just him, but when they shelled out all that money to bring in the number one class, nine was it nine five it, stars? It was. Was it only nine? I think I think you're right. It was nine. But they signed a ridiculous class in 2022. Bunch of guys that should have come in and been program changers, and they just haven't been. Man, they haven't been. How often have we heard Gabriel Brownlow Dindy's name? Not a whole lot. No, we haven't. Not, maybe not at all. It's not because he's not a good player, because he is. That, and that's the thing. I don't want the misconception to be, oh, all those guys turned out to be m- mediocre players at best when they got to A&M. No, it's, it wasn't a case of misevaluating. It was a case of crappy development. A&M didn't coach well. A&M didn't develop well. Yeah. A&M had a ton of talent. And they found a way to turn all that talent into eight wins a year. 
If Mississippi State wanted to be serious, they would bring Jackie Sherrill along. Jackie Sherrill, who was at A&M, by the way, back in the day. Um, Duncan, Oklahoma. But, you know, maybe they call, go back to Dan Mullen. First ever college football playoff rankings. Wasn't Mississippi State number one with Dak Prescott? Mississippi State was number one, and, and Dan, Ole Miss was number two. And Dan Mullen was the head coach. Dan Mullen. That's right. This is a great suggestion by Broken Arrow Fat Boy. Matt Rule to A&M? I love that idea, man. I think that would be an awesome hire for Texas A&M. Now, I... I don't know whether Rule would leave Nebraska. I think A&M could make it very hard for him to leave Nebraska. I don't know that he would leave it. I think it is a smart business decision mm-hmm. to leave Nebraska if you have yeah. enough money on the table to be Matt Texas Rule would be coach, one of those guys, though, that he would – it would not – I don't know that he would leave that early. I mean, I, exactly. look, money talks, but he's a pretty principled guy. At least he talks like it, right? Yes. And that would be my question. Like, if Matt Rule's already been at Nebraska for three or four years, okay, maybe he decides, I've done all I can here. It's time to go rebuild somewhere else. But given that it is year one at Nebraska, I don't consider it likely that he would jump mm-hmm. for that A&M job. But, man, first off, Milk I talker. think he is an awesome football coach. I think he would be an awesome hire for A&M. And, man, wouldn't that take Nebraska out at the knees? I've heard Dan, Dan Lanning to A&M. Yeah, yes. we talked about that earlier. We think that Phil Knights could actually get in a bidding war with A&M. Hey, real quick, I saw this today. Maybe they should hire. Well, Howard Schnellenberger is not available. But could you pull up 1113? Because I was looking through – because I'll go back through my audio files. And 1113 from a year ago, it says Howard 95 Bedlam Reacts. And I believe this was Howard Schnellenberger when uh, a Bob Simmons Oklahoma State team came to Norman and beat the Sooners on their home field. And I believe it was uh, Gary Nord, the offensive coordinator, got into a skirmish with a couple players. Here's how Howard talked about it in the uh, postgame. The move to the locker room was uh, was very uh, um, controversial. It was very uh, uh, Kids were upset with each other, and uh, and it was de- and it was demonstrated. Uh, it's something that uh, is not very good to see happen on a football team, but uh, it does happen. There you go, Parker. You need to go back in the time machine to 1995, and you could attend all of those Howard press conferences. They were something else. There you go. All right. We've got a lot of recruiting information, the latest on Grant Bricks' visit to Oklahoma over the weekend and more coming up getting locked in with Parker and Tyler McComas. Teddy was in a good mood on the Oklahoma breakdown. They should have been. Uh, so I'm sure he'll be in a great mood today as well. On the rush, hope everybody has a great rest of your Monday. Thank you so much, and thanks to Oklahoma Generator for sponsoring our Second hour, and thanks to the one and only, simply the best, Riverwind Casino. We'll see you.